0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome and thanks for joining in with us. Now, I'm sure you're
1: like me in wanting to get to the next level in your business. And I love podcasts like this because it really gets me to understand how the super successful think. I call them elite entrepreneurs, as you know. Now, we all know these words like success, abundance, affluence, and we think we know what it takes to get there. And most of the time, it's a very long process to get there, full of failures and roadblocks much too often. I don't even like to say that name, roadblocks. Ah, we don't want roadblocks. Now, if you're nodding your head on what I'm saying, then this interview is specifically for you. We're going to talk about how to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about scientific investigations of unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAP. Stay tuned for that and tell me what you think. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends. They're very important to us. We want to help you turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high, sustainable level, and we're going to help you turn into an elite entrepreneur. Now, meet Anna Marie Dobbins. She's a Hallmark and Lifetime leading actress. You know her from movies such as, well, Footloose, Being Mary Jane. And are you ready for this? She's filmed over 15 movies in just two and a half years. And she has an award-winning handbag collection called Pharaoh. I'm saying that right. I think that says it all. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that and everything else. Let's get into it. Hi, Anna Marie. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Anna Marie, we're all looking forward to learning how to drive success. And again, 15 movies, filmed in just two and a half years. That's like insane. So let's kind of go back. How did it all start for you? What's your backstory?
2: Yeah, um, so I actually started as a dancer. Um, my mom did Broadway. So I was kind of born and bred a dancer. She opened up a dance studio. So that kind of, you know, piqued my interest for the love of the stage of performing. And then around the age of 13 is when I started acting. And I am originally from Alabama. So I, I just started kind of locally with a local small agency. We just did commercials and some print work. And, and I, I got hooked. And so I just started building my resume. resume. Locally. Um, and then I went to Atlanta, which was just about a two and a half hour drive. So it was easy to commute back and forth for auditions. Got an agent there. And then that's actually where I filmed my first film, Footloose, was in Atlanta. And of course I was, you know, being on a big movie set and meeting stars like Julianne Huff. Um, I, I just was like, this is where I need to be, this is what I want to do. Um, so then I started going out to Los Angeles and I would live in LA. During At the time, what they called pilot seasons. So there's two seasons. There's pilot season, which is all the new shows coming out. And there's episodic season, which is all the shows that are currently on where you could have a guest star or a co-star role, which is usually in the fall. And then pilot season is in the spring. It's a little different nowadays with streaming um, because everything's shooting at all different times with Netflix and Hulu. But that's what it was back in the day. And so everyone would go um, and you would stay in pilot seasons. And so we would go and stay with my mom or my dad for a couple months at a time. And I just kind of started building my resume that way and got an, uh, a Los Angeles agent. So yeah, it just, it kind of sparked and snowballed that way. I actually went back to Alabama and got my degree and Dan graduated from Birmingham Southern, and then moved out to LA full-time. And I've been out here now 10 years. So that's kind of and a quick version of how everything started. But yeah, it started with, thankfully, my, my parents and my dad was a drummer as well. So both of my parents were in the industry and they understood it and they encouraged it. And it's not always easy if you don't have that kind of backstory. Um, it's a little bit more challenging, but they were so gun ho and so excited for me to do this. So that really helped.
1: It's really quite something. And I know someone who was a leading lady in a movie. She, I, I only think she did one movie. And then she went on to something else. There's, there's people, and I've run into others, you know, they're, they're trying to make it in, in the movies. They'll do something, they'll do a couple of some things, but they don't stick with it. It doesn't, it doesn't go, it doesn't go far. You're the success story in this. You've, you, you keep going at it. You made a business out of being an actress. And at some point, besides the one-off here and there, you knew it was going to work for you. You knew, hey, this is my life. This is where I'm going. I like to talk about how did that vision evolve for you?
2: Yeah. That's a really good question and this industry is not for the faint of heart as you can imagine. You get a lot more no's than you get yeses and and especially as a kid growing up and, you know, going into an audition room and having the casting director, you know, say, "Thank you, have a nice day," or "You're not right for the part," or whatever it is. It's just hard as a kid kind of growing up, but I was raised to have thick skin and to keep going and to never take no for an answer and to keep, you know, training and to get out there more. Um, So I'm very thankful that I had that kind of upbringing to really push me along. And a lot of times it just takes time. It just takes that one casting director agent to really believe in you that wants to cast you. And then it kind of snowballs from there. And that's kind of what happened. You were talking about um, the past two years the 15 films. Nine, nine times out of 10, it was from relationships I had built on other sets. And so they were a lot of them were direct offers because either I built a relationship with a casting director and they were you know, pitching me for other films or the directors, he was now directing another film and he was like, I want Anna Marie in this one. A lot of times it's, it is that saying of it's who you know, and it's building those relationships and those just take time.
1: That's really interesting that you pursued it. And I, I think that deep down there is is a strong purpose that made you continue, not burn out and just keep at it. So let me ask you point blank. Why are you doing it? What's the reason for this?
2: It's hard to say. It's just one answer. Why am I doing this? I love it. Just to, the, being on set, there's no other high like it for me. Being able to embody different characters and bring either someone, a, a true story to life or something I created. It's just a creative process. It's like an itch you can't scratch. You can't really understand it. But when you're there, it's just any job you love. You know you're meant to be there when you're doing it. And I just, I, I don't dread those days. We work, we work long days. It's like 12-hour days. Um, it could be overnights. It could be 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. shoots. Like, they're pretty rigorous schedules. But when you love it, you love it. And that's something I tell people is like, if you love this, just don't give up. Just keep going. Keep pushing at it because it, one day it will click. And it, whether that's, you know, you're, you're training now with a new acting coach and they've gotten you out of your old acting habits and now they're pushing you to the next level or it's just, you're amazing. And it just takes that one person to see that in you. It just takes time sometimes. And that's okay.
1: Anna-Marie, we're no strangers to the fact that purpose drives things. And for you, it seems like there's this strong love for it. And I'm sure there's nothing about the money in this. Like if you were doing it for the money, I think there would be a burnout. But you do it because you love it. What is it about acting that you feel is so important to you, to your very fiber?
2: Yeah. If I were doing this for the money, I would be out a long time ago because <laughs> you, you work for a long time and the money is, is for the hours that you put in and things like that, it doesn't always add up, right? It would cost a lot. It costs a lot more money than what you get paid at the end of the day. But the money can be great. Don't get me wrong. But why, why do I do it? What, what sorry, now I got off track about the money. What, what was the question again?
1: No, no worries. It's okay. This is, uh, yeah. this is just that kind of day. Yeah. When we, when we do things for money, I see a lot of burnout. But when we do something, yes. we get up out of bed every day because we love it. Yeah, let the money come. But we just love doing it. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel we're, we're connecting with where we're going in life. There's that little something there. Or I shouldn't call it a little. It's that purpose. And I just kind of wanted to uh, to talk about that, that just drives you so much to do what you're doing.
2: Yeah, the purpose. Um I think for me, I think it it changes. I think my purpose, depending, um, it can't be depending on the role. A lot of times I can get a role that I I feel like I I have this obligation to tell the specific story of how some people are just misunderstood. And one of my favorite roles to play is the antagonist um, or the villain, Um, because those are the ones that usually are the most complex. And you have to have that soft side for them. Like, you know, why are, why are they the way they are? Why are they killing all these people? You know, there's a backside to this story. And I think it's so fascinating. I love human psychology. Um, so to take every role and um, to put your heart into it and to find the reason why that person ticks the way they tick, I think that's one of the cool things of acting that you get to kind of bring to life.
1: We're talking about how to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins, and you can find her on Instagram. That's A-N-N-A-M-A-R-I-E-D-O-B-B-I-N-S on Instagram, Anna Marie Dobbins. This is the Tony D'Irso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues, how to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, fellow entrepreneur, you hear that? That's your sign. This year, finally, forget about those run-of-the-mill resolutions and instead start your own New Year's revolution. It's the sound to start selling on Shopify. I've said this before and I'm so ardent about this. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing Millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling old flaky salt or fine art prints, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. And Shopify covers every sales channel from an in person POS system to the all in one e commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And you know, it's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, it's that amazing. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library available for you, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. I've said this time and time again, and what's incredible to me about Shopify is how well. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business, take things to the next level. All right, so now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. It's really the only way out of the madness. So there you go. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/tony, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/slash. Tony, to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Tony. And I'm going to spell that S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash T-O-N-Y. And cha-ching your way to the top with Shopify.
0: You're listening to the Tony D'Arso Show with special VIP guests. Now back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success
1: of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is How to Drive Success with Anna Marie Dobbins. And check out my elite entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at tonydurso.com podcast. And now, back to the chat with Anna Marie. Anna, let's Get a little bit more into the vision path here and some of the things that you're doing, as we've just talked about a little bit here. You filmed over 15 movies in two and a half years. Top actors do film. Maybe they're in two films a year. You're such a beast in this area. Are you, are you <laughs> going to keep going? Are you? Because you could just take a break whenever you want, but do you have more to do?
2: Yeah. Not being busy scares me, and it's hard for me. I, I, you know, it, This is very common for a lot of people I feel when you, in between work, it's when is the next thing going to happen? And I, I, I constantly strive for that. I'm striving for what's next and what I want to do and what's better and what's next on my, on my checklist of what, what I want to do. So yeah, there's always something to, to strive for. And like you said, I've, I have been very fortunate and I filmed all of those films in the past two and a half years have been not only just filming, but during COVID, which was a kind of a crazy time to film. And The mindset of being on set during COVID is a totally different beast. Not only right when you're on set, I say it's like a a summer camp. You're getting to know all these people really fast because you're filming some films. We shoot in as quick as two weeks. Some could be a month. Some could be two. So it just depends on the film. But you're getting to know these people because you're with them 12 hours every single day. And a lot of times on location. And so you're all staying in the same hotel or things like that. And so, when you're filming during COVID, and you have to have this distance, it was it was crazy. It was you're getting tested every day. You have to build this chemistry with your husband and your love interest on set, and you can't even talk to them. You have to have a mask on. So there was a lot of challenges in that. Um, you know that I had to kind of work through and kind of retrain my brain from what I what I was used to. And a lot of actors um, had to deal with that, and directors too. A lot of it's very it's a very personal. And it needs to be engaging type of, um, type of work. And when you have the COVID aspect and everyone's nervous and everyone's pulled apart, how do you build that chemistry? And so it was just, you had to retrain your brain in a lot of different ways. And um, yeah, it was scary at times because we'd actually, one of our sets did get shut down for a couple of weeks because someone had COVID. And so then it's just more expensive for productions as well to take that risk to film. And then when you do get shut down, they're paying you know, everybody to stay there until everybody's out of quarantine. So yeah, that was a whole nother beast in
1: itself as well. Did you glide through that or was that a significant turning point in your career? Was it the COVID? Uh, the challenges are, are like astronomical
3: on that.
2: Yeah, you know, I do think so. I think COVID actually did change my gears a lot. And I think it's because it's a time that we all thought we weren't going to work for a while especially us in entertainment. I mean, we didn't, I didn't perceive films being made for a long time because it's such, because it is such a close thing. Now everyone adapted and we're able to figure it out in a, in a way, but I think you had to change your gears and be like, how else can I be creative? Can I write? Can I produce? Can I direct? What can I do for myself to still, you know, to fill that creative energy and, um, yeah, it it sparked a lot new a lot of new interest. I'm actually uh, started producing as well. I'm working on a producing a, a show. So that's something I feel like I would have never done if COVID didn't happen. So the, everybody I feel like is is thankful in some ways that we had that time to kind of stop and reboot our lives. And I think it did push us in in ways we never thought we would. I never thought I was going to actually produce, and I'm really excited about being on you know the other side of the camera and doing kind of the the behind-the-scenes stuff.
1: Anna-Marie, we're talking about how to drive success, and I'm going to ask a couple of pointed questions to really get into this drive that you have to just be so successful. Let's start here. Let's talk about what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it?
2: It's interesting, failure, because for everybody, some people see it as, as a setback, and I, I, I take a failure it, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> me for a day or two, I could be really bummed out on not getting a role or whatever people perceive as failure. But I always come out on the other side. And I feel like most people do if you have that perseverant um, mindset. And one of the hardest things I ever went through in, in, in the industry, I won't talk about which film it was, but I did a film. I got invited to the premiere. I was so excited. It was my first red carpet to come out to LA. I was living in Alabama at the time. My mom came with me. we um, did the red carpet. We sit in the theater and I had a small role. My role got cut. Oh. And I was I was so upset. And what they didn't tell me. I was like, can you just tell me a little bit before I got, you know, flew all this way, did the carpet, everything? I was so upset and hurt for so long. And I just felt betrayed by the industry that like I had worked so hard to get here. And you invited me to come out to the premiere, do the carpet. I acted like I was in the movie. And these people were probably like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and to sit through it with my mom and everything. I mean, that was, I mean, can you imagine? I was, I think I was like 15 or 16 at the time. And it was just it was awful. It was, it was awful, awful, awful. And I think I could have just thrown in the towels and this has happened a couple of different times in this industry, similar scenarios, because at the end of the day, it's business. It could have, it, it could have been just a timing thing. Like they don't, they don't think about you. You know what I mean? Um, but it's how do you overcome those obstacles or those failures in a way? And I just had to keep going because I just knew like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I just loved my time on set. And it's just, at the end of the day, it's not about you. And I think if you see about the bigger picture and now producing, I see now, you know, it's the little things that I would get so upset about for a casting or things like that is sometimes they, it's not about you. You could be the best actor, but you don't look like the mom and they're trying to, you know, match you with the parent and you could just get so upset over just the little thing. So I think it, you know, getting through that and working through what you call a failure <laughs> and just trying to get on the other side, it's hard. It's a hard industry, but it's it's so rewarding.
1: You sat there for the whole movie and did you did you realize your your part was cut like when the credits start coming in or just before that like, where's my scene?
2: Well, I knew it happened at a specific part in the in the movie. And when it kept not coming, I was like, "Oh, maybe well, like you're saying." I I thought it was gonna keep coming. I think, oh, they just pushed it toward the end. I pushed it, it never came. It just never came, and that wasn't in the credits or anything. Um, so, oh, it was it was devastating, devastating. Um, and that's like I said, it's happened a couple different times. There was another one I actually got Casper. It was a huge TV show, one of the leading roles. Um, I was again, I was living in Alabama. Flew out. Um, I was about to start prep for it and the writers went on strike. I don't know if you remember the writer's strike, um, that happened. And so they put the show on hold. And so I was like, okay, right. Whenever the, you know, the writers get out of their strike, I'm going to start filming. This is my first like leading role in a CV and a TV series. And by the point that every time they got out of strike and they were ready to boot it back up, this was like three or four years later. And I had aged out of the role. So they recast me. Yes, I'm telling you. Like it, this has happened multiple times, and it's just it is what it is. You know, at the same time, it's just you just have to move on and (laughs) just keep going. And thankfully, now I'm. You know, I can say I'm I'm working. I'm a working actor. This is what I get paid to do for full time, and it's it was all worth it. But there was a lot of setbacks and a lot of a lot of tears.
1: And here's where (laughs) that strong purpose comes in, because despite those failures or setbacks. You just kept at it. You could have, you could have literally gone on to do just about anything you wanted, but you stuck with it. So yeah. you stuck with the industry now. And I'm wondering on driving success, what keeps you going? How about a challenge? Did you have a big challenge that was just almost too much to overcome? Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think kind of those, those were challenges. A failure is, a, you know, in a way is how do you reboot it and turn it into it as a challenge to keep going, to overcome that. So those were some examples. Um, talking about the handbag. So I also have a handbag line. For this. So it's an anti-theft handbag line. So anti-theft is not a new technology. But what we were doing is we integrated Italian leather, Italian suede into anti-theft features. So that has not been done before. One, one of the setbacks that we have is we also have in our handbags is Kevlar lining, which is what they use for like bulletproof vests. And it, so it's slash-proof. This stuff is strong. So we could not find a machine with our handbag company that could cut this material. So we had ruined many of machines, thousands, of million dollars of equipment, trying to figure out how to cut this material with our handbags. And so we had a lot of setbacks with that. Um, so we ended up having to upgrade all of the machinery. And they they've finally found a solution. but. That was a challenge that we had to overcome of, do we really want this in our handbags? Because this is costing us so much money to try to figure this out. And once we did, now it's rewarding, but it, it, took, it took a long time. And we were about ready to throw in the towels with this one because we were like, I, do, I don't know how you're going to cut this stuff because it's, it's supposed to be uncuttable. It's supposed to be slash proof. That's the point. <laughs> so I think that was a challenge with the handbags as well. But the, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful line. Um, people, should check it out if they're handbags.com and we've had the handbag line for about three three years now i'm working on our second at th- our second line right now
1: why handbags with everything and anything you could do what was it about handbags that drew you to this here you are acting you're doing 15 movies every two or so years or fi- films and now you're into handbags what drove you to to this part to to clothing and th- that type of stuff
2: yeah I always loved fashion, and I was trying to figure out how to integrate, you know, how to make it new, how to make it fresh, because everybody has a handbag liner, a clothing line or perfume or something, and I, was, I wanted to bring something new to the table. And I travel a lot. And so when I was tra- actually traveling overseas, one of my friends had her handbag stolen off of the back of her chair at lunch, um, just right off the back of her chair. And I said, "That's the number one thing. Women don't do that. Hang your, your handbag on the back of your chair. And so it just, it just started my wheels spinning. And I was like, what can I do? How can I, how can I improve this idea? And so, um, yeah, so it, like I said, anti-theft handbags, there are a lot on the market. But they're, they're all done and they look like anti-theft handbags. They don't look beautiful. So we wanted to do something that was integrated. So you can't tell. So when you're walking down the street, it, it, it doesn't scream, this is a militant looking handbag. <laughs> We, you know, we wanted to integrate it. So, um, again, it was a challenge. It was something I wanted to do. I had this idea for a while. And I wanted to try a new adventure that I hadn't done before and still use that creative energy that I love. So, why not?
0: There you go. <laughs> why not? And they're beautiful.
1: And you can find them at, on your Instagram page. Yes. With that, and I kind of almost mentioned this in the last question, but you've got your work, your life if you want to call it your life work as an actress, and then you've got your handbags and then you've got your personal life, how do you balance everything if you're doing so many films all the time?
2: Yeah, it, it is a balance. It's exactly that. It's trying to find the balance in there. And another thankful thing from COVID is with the acting world, everything now is self-paid. Like right now we're doing the, you know, zoom and I'm able to do this with you via zoom. um, and so I'm able to travel and see my family more. So that actually had, it actually has opened up a lot of doors to where I don't actually have to be in LA um, like I used to, you know, in between films and things like that. I used to not be able to leave because if you get an audition, you only have about 24 hours to, to turn around and either go in person or, or put it on tape. But now that everything is, um, is virtual or via Zoom or a self-tape, I am able to see my family. So it actually has opened up a lot of time that I, I wouldn't have in between. So I'm very thankful for that. But at the, yeah, at the end of the day, it is, it's a balance. And it's not easy. And it's not an easy lifestyle. I have a lot of friends who, of course, are in the 9 to 5 world. And they're like, what do you mean you don't know what you're doing tomorrow? What do you mean you don't know your schedule in two weeks? And I'm like, I, I don't. Because I could get a call tomorrow that an audition that I did three weeks ago that they're like, hey, we need you on set next week. We liked you. Are you ready? And so you just have to kind of have that mentality. And that was hard. That's a hard mentality to have and lifestyle. It's it's not for everybody, but I think I think I've mastered it now to where I understand. And when I tell anyone, like, "Hey, I'm gonna you, you know I'll be there for your wedding," but they know if I book something, I'm sorry, I might have to miss your wedding because I won't know. I don't know my schedule until usually the week before, or maybe even the day before. So it, it's just an adjustment.
1: Or you'll uh, you'll attend the wedding uh, via Zoom or something like.
2: that. <laughs> yeah, you do what you can. You do what you can. <laughs>
1: This is the Tony D'Orso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. How to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
3: If you are an influencer, you don't follow the trends. You sent them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. You're listening
0: to The Tony D'Irso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Irso Show where
1: you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is How to Drive Success with Anna Marie Dobbins. Hey, did you know that you can search through seven years of my interviews by going to tonydurso.com slash podcast and then type in the keyword in the search? For example, if you type in sales, see what comes up. There's some really interesting interviews out there with the word sales in the show titles. There are interviews about the secret of closing sales, about taking the selling out of sales, about vision casting, and all sorts of great topics, all centering around sales. So check it out. Go to TonyDurso.com/podcast and type in the topic of your interest or your search. Check it out. Let me know what you think. All right, and now. Back to the chat with Anna Marie. For some, it's an exciting life. For some, there's, you know, it's, it's not a good life. It's devastating. Uh, we've all heard different things about being an actor, actress, being in the in- movie industry and so forth, entertainment. What do you think is a common myth or something that people really misunderstand about your profession that perhaps you'd like to set straight? Oh,
2: that's a good one. Hmm. Do I, how can I pick one? <laughs> how can I pick one thing? You know, the funny thing that I get asked all the time is, oh, what's, when's your next audition? What can I see you in? What, what's coming up next? And as I kind of just said, I usually don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to really know. Um, thankfully, I do have three films that are coming out this year. So there's that. But as far as filming wise, I don't have anything right now lined up. Because I don't know my schedule. Because they don't let you know. They, they don't give you that grace. So that's something that's hard um, for everyone to understand. Um, also, one of the most insulting, but people don't realize it, and I don't think they come from a, a harsh place when they say this: "Is oh, so you're an aspiring actress?" That word makes me cringe so much. I'm like, I'm not aspiring. I actually get paid to do this. This is my job. Just because you might not know me, <laughs> you know, it's one of those. Things. And it's just because it's a conversation they're not used to having. They're not used to knowing someone that has the type of lifestyle I have. So it's just trying to retrain, you know, people's thought about this world that not everyone is, you know, a waiter or a server or working at this. Some people do are fortunate enough to, you know, use everything and be in this industry as a whole um, and get paid, which I'm very fortunate I'm able to do that. And it wasn't like that for a long time. But now that I am. I am a professional actress. That is what I do full time. I'm not aspiring anymore. I used to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or aspiring to do more more films. Maybe.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean there's all you're always working towards something, but the fact that I'm able to like I said, I'm able to do this full time. This is my passion. This is my work. Yeah. It's just it people don't know. They don't understand it. It's a different world for sure.
1: There's definitely some common misconceptions about the industry and I don't think that we know too many people personally that are a full-time actor, actress, or have a long career or good steady career. Yeah. It, it doesn't, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't seem to be something that we're, we're used to, you know, I know someone who's just done one, one movie. Sure. Um, so it's just very, very interesting, but I think that's where the strong purpose comes in and you know how to drive success. And on that note, We talked a little bit here and there about driving success, keeping at it, and I like really dive a little bit more into it. What else can we say about driving success and winning at it no matter what?
2: I think my biggest point is just being persistent. If it's something you love and you want to do, just do it until you feel like it's not your purpose anymore. And sometimes it could take a year and then you're out and that's fine a lot of people move out to LA and only last out here a year or two. And it's just not for them. They think it is. And then it's not. For me, it just made me more hungry. It just made me want it even more because I'm just... I was that close. And I had friends that were all in these big shows or working on the time. And I just wanted it. And going to... You're know, you rubbing elbows with A-list celebrities all the time going to the supermarket or things like that. So you just... It's a lot more tangible. And that's why I love living out here. People... Do ask me because of COVID and because I don't have to live here anymore, because I can live anywhere and still, you know, self-tape or things like that for auditions, why do I live here? And I just I feel the energy from everyone here and the drive that keeps me going for me personally. So I feel like if I if I were to leave LA, I would not feel that drive as much. I feel like I would I would get for myself a little bit more complacent. And I don't like that. That scares me. I have to keep pushing forward. And I think that's just, you just have to stay consistent. You have to keep training. You have to, you have to stay in acting class. You have to constantly reevaluate your career and see what's not working. Hey, I need a new headshot. Hey, I need a new manager. Hey, I need a new agent. It's just as constantly we have to do this for our lives is, is to reevaluate and then access it and keep going.
1: One of the things that some of us like to do when we feel we're getting a little tired, burnout perhaps, but that strong purpose keeps that going, is we have something that we go to, whether it's reading or uh, swimming or anything. What what hobby or routine or habit do you have that just keeps you always fresh and always active, no matter what the industry throws at you?
2: Yeah, so I'm a dancer. I'm a professional dancer as well. So I'll go to a dance class. Sometimes and let out my energy or work out a yoga Pilates class, anything active, I love that. but also because I'm in the industry of, of movies, I love to just go to a movie, sit in the theater now that we can again. It's one of my favorite things It's just sitting in a theater being engulfed with people, the sound and then having my art right there in front of me and just I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that actor it's a new person I didn't know or a new score or a new director I've never seen before so I think just is constantly just pushing yourself physically, staying fit, getting your mind off things, but then also having, you know, your art right in front of you and keep pushing towards that. I think it's very very important.
1: I think this is quite something I really, really have understood so much that drive, that passion that just keeps you going, keeps you at it. Sort of like uh, uh, almost being a Terminator in a way of just acting and acting. You mentioned earlier that you produced or you were going to produce. Is that a new part of the career now that's unfolding? Are you you actually producing? Can we talk about that?
2: Yes, I actually am. I'm working on producing my first show right now. I can't give away too much. We're um, in a couple of of negotiations right now, but um, hopefully I can share that soon. But yeah, this is, like I said, this is a new avenue for me. I never really knew, even though I had done so many films, I, I didn't know what a producer did because everyone says that they're a producer. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so now seeing behind the scenes of exactly what a producer does, and there's so many types of producers. There's EPs, there's line producers, there's the producers that just find you know locations and sets. Um, there's some that just handle the money. So it's interesting. I just... I want to know everything about this industry from the inside out. And I think that's the best way to learn is to actually put your, you know, put your feet in those shoes to learn it. And I have, um, yeah, so I started working on as producing a, a show. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly what I can say without giving too much away.
1: <laughs> this is the Tony D'Arso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. How to Drive Success with Anna Marie Dobbins. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way, and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future.
0: Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world.
1: It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning Influence. Be an Influencer. Join us today.
0: You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right,
1: we're back on The Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is How to Drive Success with Anna Marie Dobbins. And check out my elite entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at TonyDurso slash podcast. And now back to the chat with Anna Marie. But
2: um, yeah, it involves one of my passions, and it, it's going to be—it's a reality show that involves one of my passions, and it's very inspiring. So, yeah, I think that's about as all as I can give right now. But it it, it's been—it's been, right it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, it's been super uh, educational to see it on that side um, and j- just to really work behind the scenes and behind the camera and um, get down to the nitty gritty. It's been great.
1: Well, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. And I really appreciate the time that you've taken in the middle of all, all the filming that you're doing and everything else. It's quite something. I really appreciate it. We talked about how to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins. And again, you can find her on Instagram. Anna Marie Dobbins. Anna Marie, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It really, you know, we're all entrepreneurs and businessmen, and this really gives a great another look at, at success and driving success and all the different things that can happen. So I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun to share me from the beginning to, the, to now. So it, it's, it's a journey, but I really appreciate
1: it. And here's an insider's brief about scientific investigations of unidentified aerial phenomenon known as UAP. With us, we have Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg, PhD, former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist. And we also have Deborah Prevote, if I said that right, former FBI special agent and forensic scientist. Ladies, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Ladies, I'm a little confused here, and I believe that's why we're doing this interview. Uh, I, I've heard the term UAP before, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, and I think in my mind, what happened to UFOs? So perhaps if we could just address that first, what happened to, to UFOs or the term, or maybe this is something different. So let's introduce it that way to the audience.
3: Yeah, I'll start. So uh, the term UFO was used... Obviously, in the past, and and has a questionable connotation, right? Because uh, a lot of people were made to be embarrassed if they were somebody that had said they had seen a UFO. Um, and so, really, the the term going forward is unidentified aerial phenomena, because really it covers a much broader spectrum. It's everything from people who see floating orbs or uh, mysterious lights in the sky. Or in our case, the actual photographs of, uh, items that are occurring in the sky that have not been identified. They don't meet any of the normal criteria of a, a weather balloon or a drone or a known aircraft, whether it's military or commercial aircraft. So they really are unidentified aerial phenomenon. And, you know, to be clear, it's like there were 7,000 reported sightings of UAPs in 2020. Another 8,000 in 2021. So these things are being photographed all over the world. And we thought a great thing to do would be to approach this scientifically and find out what they are.
1: That's very interesting. And I'm just getting my wits around this. Okay, so we have UAP. So it's something that we saw floating or flying or moving in the sky? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead, JC. Okay. Okay. So, so let me build on that. So now, so we, so we have this perception and we have this perhaps a better term because we do, I, I personally don't know who created the term UFO or how. And so, so now we have a scientific term, UAP. And so where, do, where are we going from this? What is the vision here? What, where are we trying to go with what's called the Genesis 2 Project?
4: So really, what happened was we had one of our principals had documented something unidentified in the sky, and when we started looking at it, we just started going through all of the other information that was being collected around the world at this at in the modern day. And there's just there's so much documentation coming up at this point because all of us are carrying cell phones that have um, picture and camera and video. Uh, capabilities within them that I think more and more people are seeing them. And it's reached a critical threshold with volume at this point. And even the governments of other countries and of our own country have reached the point that they're saying, yes, there is stuff out there that we're seeing that is just unidentified. And so what we wanted to do is once we reach this critical threshold as scientists, we thought, you know, how do we overcome the current challenges, which are that UFOs and UAP study has really been mired within the entertainment industry, within sci-fi and fantasy writings. And how do we make this a bona fide scientific study? Because we've reached the point where it used to be, are there UAP? Now we know, yes, there are unidentified things going on around us, but what are they? And so we really wanted to establish scientific study of UAP as a fully science, strong science-based, serious discipline. And so we established um, Genesis 2 Project to do that.
1: It's very interesting. And as part of that project, from my quick look into it, is you're about the scientific documentation, analysis, formulation of it, and you get, and you actually get into the forensic analysis. Now, as soon as I think forensic, I think just about anybody in the world. We think of crime scene, court, law. So the question, so it now begs the question: forensic analysis about UAP? Can you kind of connect the dots
3: for us on on why and how and all that? Absolutely. This is when the forensic scientist comes in, right? So, I mean, I look at it like a crime scene, right? Who, what, where, why, when. And so we have all of this data. We have tens of thousands of photographs. So one of the first things we did is we want to validate those photographs. So we brought on a a group called Primo Forensics. They do the forensic analysis of photographs that are entered as evidence in courtrooms to show that they've never been altered, adapted, modified, or in any way digitally modified or um, just played with. And so, you know, there's no green screen. There's no anything like that. Um, Every photograph that G2P puts out has gone through a forensic analysis from the point of origin, like out of the device. We turn over our cameras, we turn over our phones to Primo Forensics. They trace it from the date it was taken on that device through to the photograph. So at least we can say with all honesty, none of the photographs that G2P is putting out have have ever been modified. What you see is exactly what was photographed with that device. Mm -hmm.
4: And importantly, they're also looking to see that there's no artifacts from the device itself. That what you're seeing in the picture is not a lens flare. It's not a flare of light from the sun. It is actually something that is unexplainable.
1: Very interesting. And I kind of want to ask the question I don't know if I'm allowed, but have either of you distinguished ladies ever seen a UAP or a UFO or anything flying in the sky that you couldn't identify? And you don't have to answer that. But I'm just curious. Like you're in this field, you would think that you may may encounter some because you're out
3: there searching for it. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting. I photographed it, and I think JC is as well. So what you do is like you know areas where a lot of this uh, UAP have been identified, and you just start shooting photographs. And sometimes with your naked eye, you can't see them, but when you zoom into your photograph, all of a sudden there's something there, and you're like, oh my gosh. You know, you might've just seen a, a millisecond of a flash that caught your attention, but when you go into your, cause we'll take thousands wow. of photographs. And when we zoom in, there is something there and we've caught video, We it's on our, um, our webpage where if you, you don't, it moves so fast, you don't catch it. But when you slow down the video, there it is moving across the sky. It's really fascinating.
1: You know, uh, again, a little tangent, this is very interesting. We, I mean, it's no secret that the military are, are the U.S. military and other government militaries, creating vessels that underwater, in the air, supersonic, way up high in the sky. So obviously there are new vehicles and vessels being created, designed, tested. They're not necessarily going to test anyone or tell anyone. So are you just photographing perhaps what the the Air Force may be working on next?
3: Okay, yeah, you know what one of the first things we do is we also check all the patents pending um to see if there's new technology coming out that we're unaware of so that we can cross reference this. Um but I will tell you, I mean we have tens of thousands of photographs and they're being photographed not only in New Mexico where GTP is currently based, but there's hot spots in Peru, Brazil, um off the uh, the island of Catalina, just all over the world. As I said, 7,000 registered sightings of UAPs in 2020. Um, I think it's interesting that also in uh, 2020, the U.S. government is, uh, you know, set up their Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. And in 2021, DOD set up an airborne object identification and management synchronization uh, group. And it's just, you know, so there's something there. Everybody's kind of recognizing that there's something there. And we thought one of the best ways to get ahead of that is to do a scientific analysis of it. And one thing that Deb points out a lot is that
4: the, just the vast array of types of vehicles, for lack of a better word, that are being captured in these images. And when you are testing a prototype of something, for example, you don't make hundreds of different prototypes and test them. At most, you'll make one or two. And the, the, just the breadth of, of types of vehicles, the way that they move, the patterns that they, get, that they fly in, it, it would suggest that these are not things that are just simply a prototype or something secret that's being flown over New Mexico.
1: That opens up my next question, the most important question. You've been studying this for a number of years, so may I ask uh, for a summary, summation of your findings?
4: Well, we're very excited at this point. You know, it's been five years since G2P launched and since we initiated G2P. And we initiated G2P to do the solid, real scientific study and make this a strong scientific discipline. And, um, and what our successes have been over these past five years is really to establish this as a bona fide science approach to UAP to figure out what's going on. In that meantime, what we have found is, as we set this up, we, we reached out to a lot of scientists and people in all walks of life, including government and you know regular citizens in this area, and, and of course, they have reached out to us too. But the one thing that we found almost immediately was people had a little bit of trepidation in talking about it, even scientists that said, I want to study this, I've had experiences, I have documentation but they didn't want to pursue it, you know, for whatever reason, because there's a reputation with it. So what we did is we thought, you know, we really need to focus on the data and the integrity of the data and take the people out of it. So we set up very, very strong non-disclosure agreements that everyone signs who collaborates with G2P. And that made people very comfortable. And at that point, they came in and joined the group and worked together. Once they knew that their personal confidentiality was being protected, and once they knew that they could just come in and start studying as scientists, then it fully opened everything up and we were able to get multidisciplinary teams together working with one another without any kind of judgment. And the greatest thing that came out of that was independent validation. Because these scientists would come out to these to one of our hotspots in, in northern New Mexico, they would get new data on their own devices. And this is, it's validation. It's showing that it's not one person getting this. It's not the same thing over and over again. This is all new data on a daily basis with all different equipment from the most advanced equipment that has just been released down to people's iPhones.
1: Amazing. Now, I have a question, but before I ask that question, I have to ask you another question, if you don't mind. Is is your organization, is it a government organization, a military organization? Are you funded by the government? What are your roots and your foundations on this?
4: We are strictly an independent organization of scientists that are just interested in this field and in making this and protecting it as a scientific discipline.
1: And now, anyone that's tracking with this interview has probably got this next question on their mind: Can you share, or have you share, or are you able to share any of your cool photos? I don't want—I'm not talking about blurry blimps on the screen, but really cool, you know, uh, unique alien-looking. Uh, can you share any, or are you sharing any particular unique photographs?
4: We have been sharing over the past two years. We did our first release in 2020, and we are very sparing with the information that we share because, like as Deb said earlier, we have a database of tens of thousands of videos and still images. And we're not going to release all of that because they need to be scientifically vetted first to make sure that we aren't sending out a picture that could possibly be a drone or a military aircraft. That this is something that truly is unexplained that is then going to be analyzed scientifically. So we do a lot of analysis prior to releasing anything, and we're very careful with what we release. We released information, we released um, photos and videos in 2020. We also released them in 2021. And if you Google Genesis 2 Project Press Release, then you will be able to pull up all of that information. We have very new data that's coming out within the next year, and we can talk to that. Um, there, Within this region of Northern New Mexico, we have found everything from objects that fly through the sky in a tumbling manner, which is not the way that things fly according to our physics. We have things that do 90 degree changes in trajectory, we have a lot of interaction with, um, with our aircraft, both commercial and military. And you can tell from a physics standpoint, you can tell size and location by the fact that, for example, there's an aircraft going through the sky that we know of, and you can see these things playing around it and going through the jet stream and disrupting the jet stream. So you know where it is next to that aircraft.
1: Absolutely amazing. I'm going to look that up after this interview. Very interesting. Last question, ladies. What's next? What does the future hold for this? Where, where are we going with this?
3: Well, you know, we have, we have five years of data collection in uh, northern New Mexico. So we looked at the other hotspots in the world. And one of the big ones is Peru uh, up in the Andes. So we already had some data that was collected years ago. And recently, uh, obviously, the Peruvian government has also set up a task force type thing, and they have released video of uh, UFs that have been identified by their military. So we will be looking to replicate the data that we have collected out of New Mexico in Peru.
1: Ladies, thank you so much for hopping on with us and uh, giving this information to our audience. (laughs) Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took her vision to reality. We discussed how to drive success with Anna Marie Dobbins. We talked about so many things all over in and out of the film industry. Well, first of all, the key thing is she's filmed over 15 movies in just two and a half years. That sounds insane. You know, top actors do maybe what, one or two movies a year? We talked about what it takes and the purpose behind that drive to make that happen. And we talked about significant turning points in her career, biggest failure she's had, some of the biggest challenges she's run into. We talked about common myths and misconceptions that people have about her profession. And we talked about her very cool handbag collection called O'Farrow. Talked about how she balances life and work. So let me ask you. What did we discuss that resonated with you? What did you like? Tell us. And please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts, and you can access Apple Podcasts from any web or mobile device. Please try and leave a kind review. And of course, very important, please share this with a few friends, all right? Okay, let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks, and remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds. Do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony
0: D'Arso Show.